Hello everyone, I'm Robert Hoffman. And I'm Chris Panico. And we're back for another exciting episode of No Nonsense Storytime, our podcast where we take story time and we get rid of the nonsense in it. Oh yeah, no room for nonsense at this story time. Absolutely not. Um, it's been a while. It's been it's been very long. <laughs> yeah, we it's were been many weeks. We were away because of well, first we were away because of holidays and mm-hmm. and technical difficulties. Then we were back and it was great. And then we were both sick multiple times. We've been away for so long; it's hard to remember exactly why we didn't do it at, like on each specific time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but they, they were all important reasons. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Uh, this week we're going to do. Harold and the Purple Crayon by Crockett Johnson. That's right. Yep, Chris. I like how deftly you were prepared to say the name. Thank you. It's a great name. It's not his real name, though. Did you know it's that? N- I did know that. Do you know what his real name is? Um, His real name... Johnson is his middle name. Yes. Um, His last name? name is like Lease. Yeah, so I did some research here. Okay. I know it's hard to pronounce. I didn't look up the pronunciation yeah. myself. His name... So I did. So his name... Mm-hmm. What I've determined is most likely either David Johnson Lisk, like you said, or David Johnson Lisk. There's also a slight possibility it was David Johnson Lisk. Lisk. I, I didn't do a lot of research. I didn't look up any interviews with him or anything. But I imagine if you did find some interviews, they would just call him Crockett Johnson. Yes, I would imagine so. And I don't, I mean, I don't know that they're, well, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to. Just guess whether or not there are interviews of him. Right, I don't know. I didn't find any. I didn't look for any. He, so he died He died in 1975. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they did interviews before that. Yeah, well, yes, they, <laughs> they had invented <laughs> interviews by 1975. <laughs> but they weren't as, um, you know, any person with any amount of fame has several interviews done just by whoever. Anyone can do an interview and post it on the internet now, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, ve- it's very easy. I've done to- interviews exactly. and posted them on the internet. Right, exactly. It's, v- it's very easy now. Yeah, to, literally to anyone can do it. Yeah. Which was the case, but, you know, you didn't have, it wasn't as easy to publish your interview in a place where it's accessible. Correct. Um, Correct. So I'm getting off track here. Anyway, so, so I, look- Crockett Johnson. I looked up a, a website where people submit the pronunciation of last names, like actual people. That's do. a website? Yeah. Um, I forget what it's called. It's like namepronunciations.com or something. Something like that. Right so, to the point. Yeah. I'm not I'm not here. I'm not sponsored by them, so I could say it wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. Um, don't, so don't quote me on it. Uh, but uh, so I've looked up that last name on it, and there were four submissions. Two of them were Leesk mm-hmm. and said that it was a, a name of Scottish origin. And then two of them were from... I think Massachusetts, and they were Lisk. So okay. I, I think it's just a name that it's... So here we are, 40 years later, with the internet, still can't figure still out how to pronounce his it. name. Still can't do it. I mean, definitely, we. I could have contacted, you know, family members <laughs> or something. <laughs> right. So the point is, he made a good call when he said i'm not gonna make people try yeah. to figure that out good job crockett, crockett johnson. johnson do you think crockett so crockett was his like childhood nickname yeah do you think that's because his first name was david and like david his name is davy crockett i absolutely he, think that is why i i think that that is true and i i like that yeah it's pretty cool that's a good nickname too 
Yeah. Crockett. It's like what yeah, your what your middle school gym teacher calls you. Yeah, yeah. We had when I was in college, there was a a bucket drum ensemble. <laughs> and it it was run by the the dean of the school of music and he never called anyone by their names when they joined the bucket drum ensemble. He gave them nicknames. I thought you were going to say he called them by like their bucket number. No, he gave them like totally random names. Like there was a kid named Jordan and he turned into like Randy or something. Randy, okay. Like every single kid that was in that ensemble got a nickname and that's what he addressed them as. Randy. Even after Bucket Drum Ensemble. Interesting. Like 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 that guy specifically, I forgot his name was Jordan. I forgot entirely. <clears throat> yeah, there were some people in high school they called me Kyle. How did that happen? I, man, I wish I could tell you. All right, Kyle. I wish I could remember. They called me Kyle, but that was all they called. I mean, once I was Kyle, that's all I was to them for the rest of the time that we were in high school together. Huh. And it, it wasn't, you know, it, it it started out like this funny thing, like where your name is not, your name isn't Kyle. So it's funny that I'm calling you Kyle. And then it turned into a thing where you are, you are Kyle to me. But they knew your name wasn't Kyle. They knew it, but I don't think, you know, in the moment, they probably didn't, you know? Like, in the moment, they it probably would be something that they'd have to, you know, call to mind and say, oh, yes, that's right. Your name actually isn't Kyle. I forget that because that is your name to me. Right. Which happens with nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, um, we're super off track. That's okay. We have been away for a while, so we need to we need to get all of it out. Yeah, uh, Crockett uh, Johnson. He was a, a an an artist and an author mm -hmm. in the you know first you know first half of the twentieth century, mostly. Do you know what else he was? A, a, communist? a communist. A communist. He was it's a true. commie. Yep. <laughs> he when the Great Depression happened, he's like, guess what? This this whole capitalism thing doesn't work. Yeah. And I, just, I don't know. He started. <laughs> You decide. You decide. <laughs> he started writing for a communist newspaper yeah. or magazine. Yeah, there's a he, magazine. I think. And he wrote Barnaby for it. Barnaby. He was written for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, That's I didn't where realize Barnaby that. came from. Oh no, wait, no, no. Barnaby was for a different magazine. Oh man. Okay. Well, still. You just opened my eyes to a thing that doesn't exist. Yep. But that's okay. Yeah. Um. He also a huge part of his career was making this art that was. As they describe online, Wiki Wikipedia. <laughs> On Wikipedia, they don't describe it as Wikipedia. <laughs> I think in your head right now, when you said that, you were like, I got all of this from Wikipedia. And I'm kind of embarrassed about it. And, then, it, and then you just Freudian vomited it out I'm, of me. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed at all. Wikipedia is a great resource. Maybe not embarrassed, but you were looking at me and thinking, I wonder if you also just used Wikipedia. I know you that you also <laughs> just used Wikipedia. All right. All right. It's, uh, it's what we it's call do. what it is. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the fine folks at Wikipedia refer mm -hmm. to as mathematical art, which like looked like a lot of shapes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Geometry and... Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So that's 
That's Crockett Johnson. Cool guy. King of the Wild Did Frontier. Some cool stuff. Crockett <laughs> <laughs> Crockett Johnson. King <laughs> of the Wild Frontier. Yep. That's how it goes. Alright, um I guess it's time for us to go through the story, Harold and the Purple Crown. Yeah, you can give <laughs> us a, a, a rundown. Alright. So Harold and the Purple Crayon is about a kid named Harold. He's it's kinda hard what? to say. What color is his crayon? <laughs> it's purple. Okay. Um it's hard to say exactly how old he is. I would say he's somewhere between the age of like three and six. Yeah, he looks like that. He looks like a teeny boy. Yeah, he's a kid. He's not a baby. No. But he's not a grown yeah. kid yet. Yeah. He's still in that younger phase. Yeah. Um and he starts all we see is him, his purple crayon, and just white behind him. Nothing else. And he starts drawing stuff. He draws a tree. He draws um he draws a dragon behind the tree at one point. He gets scared, so he, he backs away and he accidentally draws an ocean and he starts like drowning or something. So he he figures, oh I know what I'll do, and he draws a boat. He gets in the boat, he escapes from the sea. Um, then he draws a city, and he keeps looking for his room, and he doesn't see his room. Oh, he drew a moon at the beginning, that's what I forgot. He drew a moon at the very beginning. <clears throat> and at the end, he's like, oh, if I see the moon, I just draw my window around the moon. And then he draws his bed, and he's in bed, and he goes to sleep. And that's it. That's it. Pretty straightforward book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's my job to say what the moral of it is. If you feel so inclined. Yeah. If I don't, let's move on. Just kidding. <laughs> the moral... Haha, <laughs> so funny, Bobby. So, I I feel like the moral of this is sort of, like, adventures are great, and home is also great. You know? Like, mm-hmm. like it's great to have adventures, but also, it's great to go home when you're done, and, you know, have that comfort. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't I can't, I I can't think of any. I mean, do you have anything else besides that? Look to the sky. Look to the sky. <laughs> I maybe That's how we got home. Yeah, I you guess at you the can, moon and and realize, oh, maybe use your resources. Oh, that's a much better way to put it. That's a much you know? more um ubiquitous. Yeah. I just I wouldn't say that advice. as the moral like I I wouldn't say that as just the main moral of the story, just because he's using his resources the whole time. You know, that's not I don't I, I don't feel like that's something he learns. It's just sort of a story about this kid who knows how to live his life. Mm-hmm. Like he knows what he likes to do. He's good at doing it. He does it. You know, there's not much conflict where he sort of learns a lesson no. about being careful. It's just he's like always. This is the whole dragon thing, but he, you know, so I, I think of it more as just, here's a, here's a fun story for you to listen to and, you know, share an adventure with this kid and yeah. Yeah. I think that's sufficient. There are other books which might shed more light on Harold and his right, adventures, yeah. but we're going to stick, stick to just one. the first one in today's podcast. Maybe another day we'll come back to the rest. Yeah. Um... Where is this book? That's a good question. I I have an idea, but it's contingent on what we decide 
happens. Right, yeah. So <clears throat> like what the actual story is, what's going on. Right. So, so I don't want to say the, Yeah, with that in mind, let's let's keep the setting for later then. Okay. We do know that the end of the setting is allegedly in his room. Right. That may or may not be accurate. Yeah, there's a lot. So this I mean, in my opinion, for me, I think this is our hardest one yet. Why do you say that? Because it gives you so little to work with, but That's so true. much you have to explain. Yeah. It's it just um it gives you so few clues about what's going on. Like Goodnight Moon was hard for a different reason. Right. It was hard because it was so just different from a normal story. Right. It, it wasn't a story. Yeah, exactly. You know? <clears throat> but where this is a story, but it gives you so few clues. There's so little in the illustrations. There's so little in the story other than this kid makes stuff real with his crayon, and that's it. Yes. You know? That's so we, pretty much the whole thing. We have to go off of very little and figure out a lot. Yeah. So it's a hard one. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, it pretty much is just about the crayon and where he is. Yes. Right? He's in this place that is entirely blank. Right. Which is not a place I've ever seen before. Yeah. Right? I've never been in a place ever that was entirely just white with nothing. No right. dimensions. So I've been in rooms that are very white. Mm-hmm. But in those rooms, you know, you'll see some... Some sign of dimension, like you said, a shadow or something. Now, it could be just not very descript um, illustrations. Yeah, that's true. You know, so maybe it's a big white room. Maybe it's snow. It could be in a, a giant snowscape. Mm -hmm. How would he draw on it with a crayon? Right. Well, that's the thing. So that's that's why I would lean towards a big white room and he's drawing on the walls. I would, too. It's a big white room. Drawing on the walls. That's okay, that's that, what it seems like. That seems like the best option. I yeah. can't imagine any other scenario where that works. If it's snow, we would see a sky behind it. You know, it wouldn't just be like ceiling to floor white. Right. And again, the snow would give against the crayon. Right. So that's another thing we got to talk about, though, is... Is this a crayon? Is I, this just a normal crayon? I actually don't think it's a crayon. Okay, what do you myself. what do you think it is? I think it's <clears throat> a dry erase marker. Okay. Why is that? Well, because I mean A for obvious reasons that it's something you could totally erase what you make, right? If he's just in a room. Like we're saying he's just in a room. Yeah. He draws a lot of stuff, right? Right. But we don't see him overlapping anything. That's true. We, we also just... don't see him erase anything. That's right? Tr th that's true. I suppose it could be a big room and he's just yeah. going around it. That's not impossible. Right. I guess what I meant isn't... You know what it is? Is this a crayon? So much as, is this really just a writing implement where he's... 
where he is drawing, writing. I think it is. Or is there something else going well, on here? Two things. One, one of the reasons I would say it is a dry erase marker over a crayon is because the lines that it creates are very solid. Like a lot more, th- like a lot thicker, a lot more solid than a regular crayon would actually make. Right. You know? So like that makes me think much more that it's a marker. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as if it's not just a writing implement, it could be something else. It could be. Do we you have an idea of what you think it might be? Not exactly. I'm just really wrestling with. Let's just okay. So let's assume that it, we we don't have a reason to believe that he's not drawing anything. Just drawing it, right? Right. But let's go through the story. <clears throat> okay. And just believe what they're telling us. So, sure. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a dry. I mean, it. You're right. It does not look like he's drawing with a crayon. Just judging by what we see, it doesn't look like a crayon. It looks like a marker. Doesn't really matter. And little kids would hold something that's not really a crayon and call it a crayon. You know, they that's, would. That's not abnormal. So I think fine. He's drawing with something. It was his purple crayon, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And he's drawing. He's in a big white room for some reason, and he's drawing on the walls. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go through the text here. It's an evening. He does a lot of thinking. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he decides to go for a walk in the moonlight. And he has to draw a moon. Okay. Is it actually evening or is he creating a world where it's evening? The beginning of the story is one evening. Okay. So well, we should believe that it is an actual evening. Yeah. We should believe the narration unless there's a good reason not to. Because it's third person, you know? Right. One evening, after thinking it over some time, Harold decided to go for a walk in the moonlight. That's how it starts. So, sure, he's in this big white room, at, and it's, it's an evening. Mm-hmm. He thinks for a long time in this room, and then he says, I'm going to go for a walk in the moonlight. Right. And he starts, okay. If there wasn't any moon, Harold needed the moon to walk in the moonlight. That makes sense. If you're in a big white room, there's no moon. Of course, right. He needed something to walk on, so he makes a path. It's a straight path, so he wouldn't get lost, and he's set on his walk, taking his big purple crayon with him. So, okay. Right, right, right. And then after that, it says, he doesn't seem to be getting anywhere on his straight path. That makes sense, because mm-hmm. it's not a real path. He's just drawing on the floor or on the wall and walking, right? Right, he's not going to actually go anywhere. It's just in a room. Yeah. So I think I know. I think I know. Okay. It's... It is actually evening. We know that. And he knows that because when he came into this place, he knew that he saw that it was nighttime and the moon was out. Okay. And he walks, he walks to this place. And this place, Bobby, it's, um, it's like an entertainment place for kids. Okay. Where they have these rooms that are, ba- they're playrooms. Where the walls and the floors and the, like, there are, like, little structures in there, too. But all of the surfaces are dry erase surfaces. Okay. So that you can draw on them. That does sound very fun. That does sound very fun. Maybe it's in the future and they're, like, 
screens <laughs> and stuff, but I would prefer to stay away from future solutions. Yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no future. This, there's nothing futuristic here. So I think it's a room that's all dry erase. The walls, the ceiling, the floors, and there are like ledges that you can climb and things that you can move around that are dry erase. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can make them into whatever you want. Um, so when he comes in, he was just outside where there was a moon. So the first thing he thinks is, I need to draw a moon, because it's nighttime. So he draws the moon, and he starts drawing this on this path and walking along, and he kind of, he creates this story that he's going on through, this adventure that he's going on in his head, and he just draws those things as he comes to them. Okay. Um, and whenever he's climbing on something, it's it's just like a, a surface or a structure. Within the room that he can physically climb like on. Like the boat. Yeah, okay. and he's just filling it in with the marker. Okay. Hmm. Now we have a... Okay, so here's a line. This is... He goes on a boat. Mm-hmm. And then it says... I, I follow you... There's one other problem that I want to address. But besides that one other problem, which we'll get to... Um, so two problems. Two. Pro so yeah, here's problem number two. The first one I want to bring up. He stepped ashore on the beach, wondering where he was. This is after he gets on the boat, mm -hmm. and then he steps ashore on the beach and wonders where he is. So if we're to believe the narration, he he does not see himself playing in a room. He sees himself actually doing these things. And he doesn't really know what's going on. Right. So that, to me, says this is not like a fun play place he's been brought to. This is a place where he is he is confused. Mm -hmm. He's being led to believe that, the, that you know, he, these things are actually happening. Okay. You don't think that you could just account for that as like the depth of a child's imagination and like their commitment to play acting maybe maybe i guess what, what's the alternative so that would be my justification okay sure so here's another thing the moon follows him are we, so is he here erasing things and redrawing or is he moving along the room on I, these walls my the way I'm imagining it is a gigantic room. Yeah. Like a gigantic playroom. That's what I'm imagining, too, that he's actually walking along, holding the... And we see that, too, where he's dragging the crayon as he walks to create the road, right? Right. So that's what I see happening. Mm -hmm. The moon stays with him wherever he goes. So I don't... Uh, I mean, that... How would that make sense? Maybe if the moon Circular. was projected onto the wall? Circular room? Where a moon is just hanging down in the middle? Well, we saw him draw the moon. Right. It seems unlikely that there would be something hanging in the middle for him to draw. Right. So I, I feel like maybe the moon is put there by someone else. Don't we see him draw it, though? Like on the first page? Yeah. Well, you no. I mean, you, I think you see after he drew it. I don't remember. Well, we'll get back to that. Because yeah. there is more. There's the balloon thing. 
But like you said, he, he could be climbing up on stuff. Right. That you know. That's what I'm thinking. That's all fine. The windows, that's all fine. I don't, there's something about it. He is, he makes it, he's trying to find his bed. And he right. seems sort well, of. He's, he's looking for his bed because he knows it's nighttime. And he seems actually kind of distraught about it. And then he asks a policeman who points the way to to get back to, to Harold's room. He walks along. The moon is still following him this whole time. And that's another thing. The moon is right by his bedroom window. And he goes to sleep at the end. He sleeps in this place. Right. I mean, it's I that whole thing, he's very distraught about being tired. Children get very distraught when they're tired. That's true. And it's not like that bold to say he's probably tired. It's nighttime. We know it's nighttime because the moon's out, you know. Yeah. And especially like if it's if it's during the summer, that means it's pretty late. If it's during the winter, it's still kind of late. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Right, so he could very well have gone to this place with his parents, to, like, like it's a, it's a place, it's like a treat, like a celebration or like a reward. Mm-hmm. It's a fun place. And he goes there, and he's having fun, and then he gets tired and he gets upset, and then eventually he just falls asleep. There. You know, I guess. kids fall asleep in po- in places all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like he's doing this. No one's watching him. No Is one he alone in this room? I would imagine that his parents can watch him. Maybe they're in the, like outside the room, or maybe they're in the room, but you just don't see him. And he's not like kids will play with their parents in the room and not interact with them. I, I feel you, but that still does not explain the moon. Right, the moon is really the one problem here. Right, and I'm saying, if the moon is following him, somebody is doing something. Maybe he draws it. And then there's a projection of it that someone's moving along the room with him. I just feel like this kid is in a place where he is confused. Mm-hmm. Because in the story, it doesn't feel like... We play with kids all the time. Yes. And they get really involved in these games. And they really do feel emotions about it. But, like, not for one second do they actually think they've washed up on a beach for real. And they don't know where they are. Because the second... You know, someone calls them a poopy head. They're out of the game and they're angry. You know, like they're out that's, of the game at that that's point. That's true. I'm trying to think of a situation where. So here's where here's, you're wrong, but I I'm not coming up with one. So here's not anecdotally at least. Here's something, okay. This kid. Mm-hmm. This kid. He is in. Like like this ice isolation chamber. Okay, this sounds foreboding. Yeah, it is foreboding. He was given this one little marker, Mm -hmm. and he's put in this room, isolated from outside, and he's he thinks for a long time. Right, he's sitting there thinking. That's true. And then he, what occurs to him is like, oh, the I feel the passage of time. But I don't see it because I'm in this room and I've been here for so long. So what am I going to do? I'm going to draw the moon. And then, I don't know why he's in here yet. Okay. That's clever. I mean, that's 
Like a pretty astute observation. Whoever's put him in here plays sort of like plays along, gives him the moon, and then creates like this sort of area for him to you know follows him around with this moon so that he feels like he's really outside and then just watches him go and watches him do his thing with the crayon mm -hmm. and at the end of the story he remembers that his bedroom window is always around the moon what does that mean I don't know, Bobby. I mean, are you implying that like it's a, like a like a psychiatric facility that he's in? Maybe, maybe. I've it, well, what? Okay, so what that I can't means think to of me? Any other option? What that means to me is he's done this multiple times. Why do he, you think that? Because he knows he he remembers. Oh yeah, I'm tired. I just have to go where the moon is. When he reaches the end of this little test or whatever it is is he part of an experiment yeah i feel like it's some kind of experiment i feel like they're looking for results about this kid drawing mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know maybe maybe like what happens to kids when they are you know just completely separated completely isolated and left with their imaginations because mm -hmm. because we know kids have very powerful imaginations compared to adults i mean they can just yeah. come up with things out of nowhere. You know, it's like yeah. effortless. It's very like things just like pop off and, and come out. So maybe it's maybe someone is trying to observe that and, and do some research. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Um, is it pernicious or is it good nature? I don't know. You tell me. Hit me with it. What do we got? I mean, I think you could go either way. You could make the argument that he's clearly not in there for that long. Yeah. Like, you know, you can read the book in five minutes. Kid could draw those things, at least from their perspective, pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, their perception of time is not accurate, mm -hmm. as we know. You know, so even while it might seem to him like, I've drawn this whole city, I've been here for so long, it's been like three minutes. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. You know, so I would say observing a kid for like 10 minutes while they draw stuff in a room doesn't sound that pernicious. No, I'm not necessarily. Um, it depends on what the goal is. Right. I feel like you shouldn't just use kids right. as it, lab rats. Right. That's the other thing. You could say, well, here's a kid. We're going to put him in a room with a marker and we're going to leave him there. Yeah. And we're going to see what happens for whatever amount of time. Yeah. Um, we don't have any information to, to fill in those blanks. That's true. At least I don't, not that I can think of. That's true. Um, so I, I feel like we should give benefit of the doubt here. Okay. So let's do that. I think it's, I think we should go positive. Let's go positive. Let's go positive. What good reason is there to have this kid in here by himself with a marker? Um, maybe they're, like, trying to test his aptitude mm -hmm. for creative thinking and problem solving. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's showing, like, a directional awareness. He's showing a sense of time, like you said. Right. 
Um, he's showing problem solving and critical thinking skills based on the whole thing with the dragon and, you know, walking away from the dragon and then getting into an ocean and making a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and also really creative problem solving with how he finds the way back to his quote unquote bed and home yeah. to go to sleep. You know, so perhaps he's a very gifted child and this is like a, a test to to see him display those skills. Right. right. Um and if he's done it before, maybe it's maybe it's an ongoing trial. Maybe they're looking for um inconsistencies or repetitions. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, it seems like he's having fun. Yeah. At least having a good time. Mm-hmm. Enjoys uh creating and Yeah. Yeah. So what happens from this? <sighs> I mean, I I still would say he probably does fall asleep here. Yeah. And then my assumption, my belief would be that his parents come in and pick him up and then they go back home. Yeah. Uh, And they come back some other day to do it again. Yep. Perhaps he's a genius. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps they're, they're, they're trying to understand... It does it does bring up a, a moral question about whether you should be able to do experiments like this with kids because they're not really old enough to say that they're okay with doing them. Mm-hmm. You know? I it would I'm sure most people would consider it morally wrong to subject an adult to an experiment like this if they don't want to do it. You know? If they haven't agreed to do it and you just kind of put them in there, that's, right. you know, that's not okay. Right. I think the assumption here would be that Harold's parents agreed to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they are the ones who can, can consent on his behalf. That's true. They can. I just feel like, unless you, unless there's like a medical reason, unless he's like having some kind of like serious behavioral problems that they're trying to figure out right that's possible it's possible we don't have proof one way or the other we don't so here's what we should probably do we should probably in the future tackle maybe the next herald book or another herald book maybe find one that we're like ooh, this could give us some answers to the questions we right and and unpack it a little bit unpack it a little more figure out what's going on with herald whether we're okay with it i like that idea yeah i don't know how much more we can get well, I don't know. From I, just this one. Yeah, from this I feel like yeah. that I feel like that's I feel like we should cut it off here because we I don't think we can get much more from this one. Right. And that there is more to be gotten. Yeah. Maybe in the other books, but not from this one. Yeah. Cool. We'll call it for now. Okay. Come up with a, a new moral to the story. Yeah. Which would be I would say that experiences are tests. Experiences are tests. <laughs> Just anything you experience is a test. I think you could look at it that way. It's almost a religious statement. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Um, but like Harold doesn't see it as a test. Mm-hmm. But it is. Okay. So how about this? Maybe not. Even if every experience is a test, sometimes you're being tested when you don't even know. That's not so you even should, more religious. You should always, well, not necessarily. I mean, people can be testing you, you know? 
Someone yes. could be testing you, even for better or for worse, just in their own opinion. They're like mm -hmm. watching you and seeing what you're doing. So you should always behave in a way that you would be comfortable with somebody testing you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think that's okay? Does that sound stressful? It does sound stressful, but life is stressful. Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, that's a, I don't know. I don't even know if I agree with what I just said. I think I do. I think I do as well with the caveat that you cannot always behave that way. And that's yeah. just a fact of life. Right. Okay. So I guess test is not a good word for what I'm trying to say. You should not always behave in a way in which you're being tested because the purpose of a test is not to get anything wrong. And sometimes the best way to learn is to just get things wrong and go for it. With a test, you really shouldn't do that. I think it depends on how you just how you define test. You know, tests aren't just like questions that you answer. Tests, you know, there's like, different kinds like of tests. A blood test is something totally different. Yeah. Where you're trying to get a result. I think getting a result is a more accurate way to define a test. Yeah. So yes, you should not always behave towards like a specific result. I guess. But you, for, you shouldn't be aiming for a specific I, result. I think um, maybe what I want to say is you should always, always behave in a way that you would, I don't know, not feel uncomfortable with somebody. Ah, it's tough. I do think there's something to that, though. I agree. I think we've. I think, like, the idea of what you're saying is there. Yeah. Don't get lazy. Don't get lazy just because you, you know, if you have a moment where you're like, oh, I could be lazy right now. Sometimes you're wrong, and you're going to get burnt for it later if you let yourself right. be lazy. Yeah. Do your thing. It does sound stressful. Though. Yeah. You don't, have to, you don't have to work hard all the time. Don't work awesome. hard. Don't work hard. But New don't world. give up. Just because no one's watching you. Yeah. So yes. Someone is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to No Nonsense Storytime. I'm Chris Panico. And I'm Robert Hoffman. Join us in two weeks. Yes, that's right. In two weeks, we're going to skip another week yep. next week but we're really gonna do it this time <laughs> yeah well what we're doing bobby is we're preparing for something called read across america Ooh, tell me about it read across america is a celebration that was founded by the nea the national educators association back in 1998 so this is the 21st year that they've been doing it nice um the idea of it is that we should celebrate reading in the way that we celebrate Things like the Super Bowl or New Year's. Yeah. Um, so they picked a day. Um, incidentally, they picked Dr. Seuss's birthday, which is March 2nd, um, which is not, I think it's two Sundays from now. Yeah. Something like right. that. Um, and that's the kickoff of this Read Across America event. And there are okay. different kinds of events and different ways to be involved that happen across the country in schools and libraries and public spaces. Um, the way I always knew it as a kid was a, a, a school-wide reading challenge mm -hmm. where you'd get a list 
And whenever you read for the year, you would write down like how many minutes you read. And there would always be a big assembly at some point in the year. Yeah, I remember this. I remember everyone this. who read this number of minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and I always really loved it. And I, th I think that that is part of why I love reading so much. And, you know, the school that both of us work at has a very heavy focus on literature. Mm -hmm. And we both love reading. That's why yeah. we're doing this. I imagine our listeners love reading too. Right. So... Bobby and I discussed it and thought we should do something special for Read Across America. So tell them what we're doing, Chris. What we're going to do is over the four weeks in March, we're going to have a very special guest on our <clears throat> show. We're not going to tell you who they are yet, but we'll introduce you when they're here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to dive into the Dr. Seuss universe. Now, this isn't new for us. We've used Dr. Seuss before, but... What we're going to be doing yeah, is taking four or five books, and we're going to be finding a a, a narrative through line yeah. for them. We're going to prove that these books all exist in the same universe. Yes. And uh, let's not say any more than that. Yet. We won't. Yes. So. <laughs> we'll see you then. Yep. Um, if you have any questions, email... Uh, Email us at nonsensestorytime at gmail.com. Yep. Facebook, No Nonsense Storytime. Yeah. Uh, find us on SoundCloud and all of that other stuff. Yep. And we'll see you in a couple weeks for Read Across yeah. America. Oh, I want to give, I wanna give a, a quick shout out. Oh, okay. My friend Dan. Um, my friend Dan, he lives in Philly. He said, I don't want to say his last name in case you be uncomfortable with that. He said, I, I just saw him the other day. And he said that he has been sharing the podcast with his friends at work. Oh, damn. And they're listening to it. And, I mean, probably not everybody's listening to it. But people are liking it. And uh, That's so great. Yeah. that's It is great. I'm, I'm happy about it. Thank you, Dan. If you're listening to this episode, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Sorry, you can say your goodbyes now. Well, I mean, I want to add how appreciative we are of, or at least I am, of of that yeah oh yeah i mean of course that's awesome yeah i don't i don't want to undersell my thank you like yeah. that really does mean a lot to me yeah if you guys want us to give you a shout out share the podcast share the podcast <laughs> let us know send us your emails whatever it doesn't even have to be a suggestion for a book if it's just a thought or if it's just please say my name on your podcast yeah <laughs> probably do it why not <laughs> yeah um cool so we'll see you in a couple weeks yep have a great time. Have a great time.